Hi, I'm Michael Dietrich Chastain, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Barty. Change is inevitable. It's also not all that simple and definitely never easy. But if you can have some kind of mnemonic or some way to help you and your team make it happen with a little less friction, that would be helpful. And when you talk about change with someone who knows a lot about change, you figure out how to make it happen with a little less pain and a little bit more pleasure. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Michael Dietrich Chastain is such a person. I'm glad I was able to chat with him today on this episode. He's a best-selling author, leadership coach, facilitator, and professional speaker. Uh, Michael and his team are passionate about helping organizations, leaders, and teams become experts on change management. So going beyond just doing change, but becoming experts at that, as well as communication and emotional intelligence. Uh, Michael's writing has been featured on Time Magazine, Money, uh, Entrepreneur, and The Washington Post. And his first book, Changes, was released in 2019, and it became a bestseller in multiple categories. We have a fantastic conversation today. We talk about little cards, too, which we'll get into. There's so much to get into. I'm done talking for a change. Let's have a conversation. Here's Michael Dietrich Chastain. Enjoy. Michael, thanks for joining me on the program today. Mike, thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you. So whenever anyone calls me Michael, I feel like I'm in trouble. Do you go by Mike or you go by Michael? But I mean, is, is, do you get the same thing where it's like, you know, you're for me, it's like Michael Ryan. I'm like, what, what? That's my mom or my mother-in-law, <laughs> but Michael, it just that for me, I've become Mike. I mean, I've always been Mike. Have you always been Michael or are you, do you, does it depend yeah. on the situation? It does. It depends on the, on the people that I'm in front of and, and the context, I guess. But yeah, same as you. When I was growing up, if I heard Michael, it was, you know. Uh-oh, I'm in up. trouble. Well, we're not going to be in trouble today. We're going to have a great conversation about your book called Changes, The Busy Professional's Guide to Reducing Stress, Accomplishing Goals, and Mastering Adaptability. And what a, the cover of the book. If you're, I mean, some might be able to watch this on video. If you're not, it's a bright yellow cover, at least what I've got in front of me. I'm sure that the, the, I'm, I'm almost positive it's stuck the same, right? You still got the same kind of, yeah. but there's a tree that points downward that's barren. And then one that's like lit up with leaves. The, why this cover? What was the, I, I want to get into that because I found that neat uh, right out of the gate. Like what was the, what was the impetus behind putting this uh, as the cover illustration? Oh, th- yeah. Thanks so much. And thanks for asking. Yeah, the, the cover has a number of meanings to it, but uh, one of the one of the basic premises of the book is that all of our uh, aspects of our lived experiences, when harnessed well, uh, result in our ability to manage change effectively. And when we ignore or don't support one of you know one of these core seven, which are in the book, we run into trouble. And so this blooming up top and roots underneath that is is a bit of a nod to this you know interconnectedness between interior and exterior. You could call it in- interconnectedness between past and, and future. And so that's, that's what the nod is about, is the interconnectedness. As, as I make my way through the book, you, you've got these seven things, and uh, I'm a big fan of, of initialisms and, and acronyms, and changes is one of those things. Um, it's, it's, it's actually an acronym, right? Because initialisms are just initials, but acronym makes a word. We're going to get to that in a second, but you've divided this up, 
And I'm going to, as with a conversation, if I was having a conversation, I don't generally go in an in, in order, but one of the things that stood out to me right away was this idea of trusting your intuition. Hmm. And the reason is it comes back to Ted Lasso. So oh, I've been watching. I'm a Ted Lasso fan. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, we're off to a good start already. <laughs> so, spoiler alert: if you haven't watched all of Ted Lasso yet, um, I'm not going to give you the details of what happened. But there's an exchange between um, you know the owner of the Richmond uh, AFC and Ted Lasso, who is the manager. And Ted says this line, and he says, um, "You know." Don't think with your head, think with your gut, and on the way down, check in with your heart along the way, something along those lines. And that stuck with me because a lot of the decisions that I've made, some to the detriment of my business and some to the de- – but I'm not I'm definitely not somebody who's risk-averse. I have leaned into that intuitive portion of, of, of you know the way that, that I operate. Why – do you lean into this in this particular chapter? Because a lot of people like intuition can be a very tricky beast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need more Ted Lasso's in our world. I think we do (laughs) right now. We definitely do. Yes. Yeah. A few Roy Kent's wouldn't be a bad idea either, to be honest. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of complexity to intuition, but you know, I think that one of the, and you, and you spoke to this just a second ago, one of the risks that we have when we don't get good at following our intuition is that we follow something else and it leads us down a path that we don't want, right? And just like you, Mike, I've had plenty of those failures, as I'm sure all the listeners have as well, when we, when we truly know what the directions we should take, but we ignore it. And part of it is because we maybe aren't practiced in following our intuition or fear just takes hold of us. And maybe we're not practiced in taking risks or being courageous. And so I think more, more times than not, our intuition can lead us toward benefit and, um, and lead, us, lead us away from risk, which is, is always there in decision-making. And so I trusted my intuition going down that path with that question. And now I'm going to go back to where, where most people would start when they're talking about a book. And I teased the acronym, CHANGES. Mm. So yeah. what does changes stand for like what and then we're going to dive into each of those elements to a degree but i want to get a sense of what why these matter to a you know and 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 what compelled you to say this is what i need to put into not just a book but also some companion cards that i also happen to have here in my hands yeah yeah i'd I'd love to give a little background if i could to answer this question because it'll help yeah, it'll help kind of fill in some gaps. And so <clears throat> this question comes up all the time. And when it, one of the things that I always try and, you know, lightheartedly mention is that, you know, I'm not some guy that, you know, it's decided, well, what are some neat characteristics of our lived experience? And what's a cool acronym that we could put together and, and just kind of throwing wall at the paint or sorry, paint at the wall. No, no, right? no. There's, there's podcasts out there. I listen to a podcast by Comrade Thompson. He always has a fresh, yeah. a fresh paint of coat. So that's fine. I totally yeah, get yeah. <laughs> throw, throw, throw some wall at the paint. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so that is not the process. Uh, the process was it, uh, backing up, you know, 16, 17 years ago when I got out of college, um, 
I, I was originally on a track for what's called industrial organizational psychology, which is the, the process of going into an organization and determining what are the human elements here that are impacting performance, impacting success of the business, the bottom line, et cetera. And so that was my, my vision for the future is I was going to become one of these psychologists. And so I got a corporate job out of school, was very interesting, learned a ton about leadership, about employee management, about navigating the um, employee job placement, all sorts of things. And it triggered this interest in wanting to take a deeper dive. And so I went back and, and instead of getting an, a degree in IO, got a, dream, a degree in counseling and became a, eventually, over the course of years, became a licensed psychotherapist and lived in the mental health world for a number of years, leading teams of therapists, doing private practice, working in the health system, the, the jail system, the community. Still had this interest in corporate work. And so about 10 years ago, made a shift back and have been in the corporate world since, doing leadership development, team performance, uh, training, and coaching, which is what, what we do now. And um, I, I say all that, Mike, to give you some background in that I've seen human change exist in all sorts of lenses, from someone that's suffering from severe and persistent mental health disorder, from you know, schizophrenia or, or anxiety or depression, to the leader that wants to create a change in his team, to the team member that wants to improve their ability to communicate or resolve conflict, you know, and, and everything in between. So after working with thousands of clients over the years, came to this question of what are, what are the predictors of successful change making? And what are these elements of our lived experience that when harnessed will absolutely lead us to success and when ignored will absolutely lead us to, to some kind of detriment. Mm -hmm. And so what, if you can imagine like a big spreadsheet, if I was noodling on this question, you know, what are these predictors of change for, for a while, for probably, probably 18 months and eventually came to these seven and this spreadsheet had all these, all these words on it. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if there was an acronym for these seven? And that is how the, the acronym changes came about. It was, it was first looking at what are these seven elements of our lived experience and then it, coincidentally landing on the name. And so that's a very long answer to your question. And I'm happy to reveal what the seven are if you'd like. Well, let's, let's, let's dive into that because yeah. uh, I think that when people are – the way that you describe it in the book, you've divided it up in such a way that each of these letters gets – a little bit of a spotlight. And then what we'll do is we'll go through a couple of them in a bit more detail because as I was going through the books and you've got some notes, like you talk about the best way to improve productivity. I can't wait to hear that. We're going to get to that in a little bit, but what are the, <laughs> yeah. what are the, what are the, what do the letters stand for? Sure. Sure. So it's, and I'll give just a, just a touch on what they mean. Absolutely. So cognition is about our mentality. What do we tend to think about? What's our thought processes? Are we abundance focused? Are we deficit focused? Uh, so that's C, um, H is heart. So that's our emotional self. Are we working on, uh, working through our emotional baggage? Are we ignoring it? How is that showing, showing up in our lives? Um, a is action, our habits, routines, daily, monthly, weekly, yearly. I know that habits is something you talk about a lot, Mike. That's, that's in there. Um, N is nourishment, which is all about our physical experience. And so things like how we eat, how we exercise or don't, and how we sleep. And that's pretty obvious, a lot of connectivity between our physical experience and how we, how we perform. Mm -hmm. uh, guts is G, that is our level of courage to act on what's congruent with us. And we talked a little bit about that with following our intuition. Uh, e is environment, the people, places, and things that we are surrounded by and how they influence us. 
And there's a unique thing about environment right now. I was just talking to somebody about this recently. We're in this unusual time period right now with this you know, continued digital emergence. So a lot of our environments right now are digital. Mm-hmm. So that's uniqueness. And then S is spirit, which is all about our belief systems. Both the big ones, like, you know, where did I come from? Where am I going? What am I here to do as a human being? And the small ones, I put small in quotes, like things like, how much money might I make? What am I capable of in in work? You know, where are my strengths? Where are my weaknesses? Those kinds of beliefs. Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com slash productiveconvo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. So as someone listens to this right now, maybe you, you're listening to this right now going, that seems like so many to focus on. Like how, Mm -hmm. how do I approach this in a way that doesn't overload me, overwhelm me, put me in a position like when, when they're thinking about making like enacting what you've talked about in this book, taking action. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you recommend someone does this in a way that is sensible, that makes sense? That's a reasoned approach as opposed to, because I have to say that people that listen to this, this show, people that I come across, a lot of the clients I work with, they're very much like, I want to get it all. I want it all to happen now. Like they're very driven, but sure. change is, is, 
in my experience, and I'd love to, you know, expand upon this with, with you, is not mm-hmm. something that is um, instantaneous. And if you try to do too much of it all at once, the whole house of cards can come toppling down. So someone who's looking at this and they're going to go through the book, they're like, okay, well, hold on. Where, where do I start? How do I do this in a way that all of them kind of get the attention that they deserve in the cadence that, that they need to, so that I don't fall apart in the process or, or become too overwhelmed in the process? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. That question comes up all the time and I'll, I'll say a couple things to it. We, we work with a lot of high performers as well, high performing leaders that expect a lot of themselves and a lot of those that they lead. And so this is a common question of, I want it all and I want it all right now. And so, you know, the first thing I would encourage folks to think about is that just like you said, getting better at both responding to change as well as creating it is a lifelong process, right? It's, we can always, it's the one thing we can count on, right? Like yep. death and taxes and things changing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's always going to be happening. And so my, my, uh, the torch that I would say I carry is that being better at change is the most important skill set that we can create as human beings because it's ever present and it applies to everything always. So, so that's the encouragement I would give is that, you know, it's a, it's a process and it will take time. But also to take the pressure off, one of the things that we've seen after using this tool for the last many years is that there are typically two or three of these seven that people have really uh, a ton of success in. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's two or three that really need a lot of attention. So it's very unlikely that someone would look at this and think, oh my gosh, I have to work on all seven of these because all seven of these need severe attention. It's more likely that you know, there's two or three that people know, gosh, I'm really ignoring this and it's showing up in my relationships. It's showing up in my productivity, showing up in my work. So that's where I should put my attention first. I want to talk about meditation. It's something that literally today (laughs) I did as we're recording this, I did before I started my day. It's one of the habits that I have done in fits and starts over the years. Uh, Mm. I don't think it's because I want to quote, get it done or win it or finish it because, you know, we all know that meditation is a practice for a reason. It's not like something that you can just, I want it meditation. I don't have to do this anymore. It's not that. Um, it's, it is the, for me, it's always been the, that old story of, you know, well, I don't have time to meditate. And then of course someone says, well, if you don't have time to meditate, you definitely need to meditate. Like it's that, it's that paradox, right? So the old, the old thing. Yeah. So, so for, I want to lean into this a little bit because I know that there's power there and I'd like you to talk about your meditation journey and how that, how you got to there, how you were able to kind of, um, because I've talked to meditation experts, and I mean that that journey isn't necessarily as I wouldn't say compelling, but it's it's not as surprising because it's what they've leaned into. But you've got like a lot of these different areas that that fill different cups and and, and fill different buckets. Mm-hmm. Yet I I'm certain meditation helps fill all of them to a degree as well, right? You know what I mean? Like that there's elements yeah. of it. Yeah. So I'd love to hear your your journey, your thoughts, and how did you manage to keep it. Something that that has been sustainable for you. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm a big believer in the idea of experimentation. And this shows up in in every day in the work that I do with leaders and teams. And experimentation meaning that 
whenever we're going to try on a new habit, and in this case, we're talking about meditation, the opportunity is to, is to take the pressure off and know that there are many options. Some of them may or may not fit. And that we can commit to, you know, biting the elephant, you know, one or chewing the elephant one one bite at a time, right? right. That's how right. We, that's how we eat an elephant, right? Yep. And so, so I really, I, I'm talking about meditation a lot with clients because it comes up, and we mm-hmm. know the results that it brings, and it's, you know, like like I said, we work with a lot of high performers, and focusing on mindfulness practices and meditation is a is a good fit, you know, I would say for a high performer. And so, so that's the first thing I would say is, is experiment. There's, there's all sorts of meditations. There's yoga, there's Tai Chi, there's Vipassana, there's, you know, seated meditation, there's walking meditation. I was just on a call today with a client who had experimented with a walking meditation every day for the last two weeks. And the call was all about, or not all about, but we spent some time talking about, you know, what did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about your environment? You know, what did you learn about where your mind rests? You know, what did you learn about, you know, just the whole, the whole situation? How might this apply to your work? So I would encourage people to do some experimenting around a, you could, you could call it like a meditation buffet, like choose, choose a handful, (laughs) do each for two weeks and see what you like. And then, and then go from there. And in answer to your question about my journey, um, a lot of, a lot of uh, the last, 15, 17 years or so have been, um, or my, my entry to meditation in the last 15 to 17 years has been through Eastern martial arts. Mm. And so my practice is uh, Tai Chi or Qigong is a, is a regular daily meditation. And then sometimes I'll do seated or walking, but it's, it's usually more active. And again, that's through experimenting and knowing what works for me and what I can hold consistency with. So it's interesting. You talk about Tai Chi. I've been thinking about that myself. And there is this archetype of the person you see practicing in the park that's doing Tai Chi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the older elderly person or they or they or um or something along those lines and and sure. I know that that's something I've I've actually looked into it uh there's a local uh, uh group here that does it and it's come across my 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 mind on several occasions of course I capture it and get it out of my head. But there's something that that has prevented me from doing it, and you go into this book, uh, you talk about fear. And yeah, I'm a Green Lantern fan. Anyone who's listened to the podcast for a while knows that willpower is the thing that I kind of, uh, I toot toot that horn. But um, fear is, fear to me is, and I was listening to Ryan Holiday uh, talk about his new book uh, as of this recording, Courage is Calling with Rich Roll. And talking about like fear is inevitable. It's, you know, like it's ever present. It's omnipresent. But like so many other things, it is so subtle at times. How we're, I I, want to dig a bit into the subtleties of fear. Like you, you talk about letting, letting it go. But sometimes I think it shows up in a way that you're not even aware it's there until it's, it's it's like the it's it's like quicksand. You're like, oh crap, I'm stuck in it now, and if I struggle too much, I'm going to sink deeper. So let's not talk about the fear that is so apparent, like the fear of like, oh, I, I don't want to quit my job and start something new, or I don't want to ask my boss for more boundaries. Like I don't want to tell my boss, hey, you can't, you know, like this is my work hours and this, and there's a fear around that. We'll get to boundaries in a little bit here, but the subtle fear, the ones that sneak up on you. And then yeah. scare the crap out of you 
when you're when but in a way that's like in a sinister fashion and i mean i'm i'm trying to paint a picture here how do you how do you try to keep those maybe not at bay but how do you let go of those when you may not know that they're there until until it's well quote you know so far into it that it's tough to let go yeah yeah great so you know we we'll, we will always i think as human beings be faced with those scenarios where oh gosh i didn't realize this scared me right? No matter how practiced we are at being courageous. And I do believe that fear translates. Meaning what I mean by that is that if we get good at addressing fear in a regular context, and I can talk about how to do that in a minute, then when those things emerge, when those new fears emerge, the ones that is, you know, the quickstand, the things we didn't expect, our ability to address fear in the, in the other conditions that we've practiced will show up in the form of courage. So even though we, we can always count on the fact that there's going to be things that are going to be scary, getting better at addressing fear on a regular basis will translate. And um, I think that, you know, the, the way to do that is to find the opportunity to practice with fear in conditions that are maybe you know, maybe less risk, but some risk, right? So maybe it's, you know, it could, it could be as simple as practicing some discipline that really is uncomfortable, right? So maybe it's, a, maybe it's an exercise discipline or a yoga or a, or a running or whatever it is, something that's really uncomfortable. It could be, you know, if you're an introvert, maybe it's having a certain amount of conversations in public over the course of a week, mm. right? If you've got a really angry boss, maybe it's, challenging yourself to have that difficult conversation with your boss that you've been putting off, right? So for everybody, it's going to be different, but there's always opportunities to move toward fear. And then the, the advantage being that when the quicksand emerges, like you mentioned, Mike, uh, we'll be better equipped to deal with it. Boundaries. Um, I want to lean into that a little bit because people struggle with those. They struggle with establishing them and one of the things I've said is if you can set boundaries, that's great. But if you can't respect them, you can't expect anybody else to. So in the, in the context of what you're talking about in the book, uh, and boundaries, not just, not just work-life boundaries, because I think that that's a tricky beast in and of itself. I think that's something worth it. But just boundary, making sure that you declare, maybe not overtly. Again, maybe it's as subtle as that fear I was talking about. But putting those boundaries in place so that they they can be respected by others and by you but not in a again we're going back to that overwhelm phrase but not in a f- way that's going to be overwhelming to you where it becomes it the, respecting and following the boundaries becomes a, the very thing that that is um problematic for you because you've either set too many or you've made them unrealistic or you've set them around the wrong person. And and so what most people I would imagine do in this situation, I've seen this myself is that they don't set any because they putting a line in the sand anywhere. Um, somebody's going to be pissed off. Somebody, something's going to not go right. So let's, let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could talk about this all day. Um, you know, boundaries is something that, that we see show up in leadership training and coaching all the time. It's, it's one of these core skill sets that I think really good leaders are able to institute and, and have a really strong harnessing of boundaries and those that aren't so great at leadership really struggle with. And, you know, I, to your point, 
Like it can get overwhelming if we're super overt about it, but we don't have to be in order to get practiced at boundary setting. So, you know, one of the, one of the uh, pillars in the book is environment, which is the people, places, and things that we are surrounded by and that we choose to surround ourselves with. So boundary could be as simple as I'm going to decide that I'm not going to go to these particular places online anymore because I know that they cause me stress or anxiety or tension. Right. Right. Or, or it might be that, you know, simple as I'm going to turn my phone off at nine o'clock instead of 10 o'clock. Yeah, so you're changing time. Maybe. Be, yeah. You know, you're changing time. Not you're not being as absolute about it. You're going, I won't do this until this time or outside of this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the same thing with challenging fear and giving ourselves little experiments toward leaning into fear. The same thing is with boundaries. We can experiment with them and do a little bit along the way. And that skill set, that muscle that we're building will eventually translate into the big boundaries of maybe, gosh, I know we've had this friendship for 10 years, but I think, I think we need to, you know, spend less time together. Those are the, I think those are the boundaries that you're talking about that are super overt, right? The really hard conversations. Yeah. 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 More difficult. Um, I got these cards, changes cards and they are companions to the book, but you don't, they don't have to be though. uh, From when I, when I was going through them, they don't, I mean, with, with, with the con, the book definitely supports it and vice versa. So Mm -hmm. if someone is going to pick up these cards and they're going through them, what, how do they work? Cause I want to, cause I went through them. And I'm like, there's, they're versatile. Like they're, they're, well, they're adaptable, which I guess stands to reason considering that the book is all about, there's an element of mastering adaptability. So wh- yeah, yeah. first off, how do they, how do they work? And yeah. why, why did you put these cards into play? Because I mean, the book might've just been enough, but you've taken it to like an interactive level with these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and oddly enough, we use these cards all the time and never even mention the book. Um, so they absolutely stand alone. So the, the idea is that they can be used uh, three ways, which I can talk about there. There's seven pillars of our lived experience, which we talked about mm-hmm. within each of these seven, there's seven questions. So 49 questions in this, in this card deck. And the idea is you can use it by yourself. You can use it in one-on-one conversations. Like if, you know, in the reports we hear, people are using them at the dinner table with their spouse and they're using them in performance evaluations with their, with their teams. And so very, very adaptable. And then lastly, the, the scenario we see them use the most in is in group conversation. And so if you have a, you know, a team and you're wanting to you know, build, build relationship, build understanding and empathy with one another, they're used in that context. And so um, in answer to your question about how to go about it, if you'd like, Mike, I, you know, I'm, I'm about to put you on the spot, but okay. uh, would you like to do a little experiment with each other right let's now? Do, let's do one. Let's do one. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so I've got a, I've got a deck in front of me here. Okay. Let's let you, yeah. Let you run it. And I'll, I'll kind of, I'll kind of, this will, this will allow for a little, for a little surprise. Yeah. Right? Let's do that. Okay. So you, so you've got, you've got these, you've got these seven categories, right? Mm-hmm. These seven yep. pillars. And when you think about them in your own life, like which is the one that like, you know, strikes your interest without, without thinking about it too much, Oh boy. which is the one that you think, gosh, that one, that one really, I need to know more about. I would probably say S the spirit, the spiritual part, the spirit. Okay. Yeah. Cool. The spirit. Cool. Cool. So I'm going to randomly choose a spirit card. Okay. Right. Just, I just grabbed it. So All I don't right. know what this question is yet. So okay. here's the question. It's a, it's a, it's a good one. It says, how would your best friend describe your belief system? And now 
you don't have to go into like religious beliefs if no. you don't want to, or although you could, yeah. but um, you could, you could take that in any direction you'd like. Oh boy. Um, I think that my best friend would say that my belief system is centered around uh, be a good person do good th- like Mike believes that if you're a good person and you do good things, then good things will happen to you and to those around you. I love it. I love it. So very Ted Lasso so he- probably <laughs> to a degree. Maybe that's, <laughs> that's why you do it. And the reason I bring that up just real quick, a sidebar yeah. is, is um, a lot of people don't understand the kind of work that I do, but I think that they understand how it impacts because I work with time and the flow of like, that's something I'm thinking about. I realize that there's so much that we have so much going on here in this present world that we're in, whether you believe in uh, an afterlife or whatever, that my belief is if you do good things here and you treat people well, then good things will happen to them and to you. You don't need to worry about what happens after this life is over. I think that's, Mm. that's what I'm getting at. I love it. I love it. So if we were to continue down this path, which I know we, we don't want to spend all the time there, but if we were to continue that path, I could ask you a bunch of follow-up questions, right? Go ahead. Fire, Around, fire like, away. Me, you know, fire away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, it's the thing, things like, just to give folks some examples, things like, you know, how did you learn about what it means to be a good person? And when you think about role models in your life that, you know, that, that are also following that same value system, you know, who comes to mind? Or, or I could, you know, ask the question of what, what is it about that category and that question that is relevant to your life right now? And as, as, as you're probably seeing, and as those are listening are seeing this, these series of questions just allow for greater connectivity. Like, I feel like I know you a lot more now, Mike, than I did 10 minutes ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure other people feel more connected to you now as well, because of that vulnerability that you just shared. And so, so that's just one of a handful of activities, you know, that, that can be done in a one-on-one scenario. Well, and I also like the fact you do them introspectively as well. So they can be done in a solo environment too. So if you want to do them on your own or you want to, these might become, we're having an all hands deck meeting tomorrow. I might bring, bring some of these with me when we have, uh, we have our team meeting tomorrow. Um, oh, yeah, we have a I team meeting that. tomorrow. We're doing some sense making, some planning for the next six months. So by the time okay. this airs, that will already be three months in into that. So the, the evolution of what maybe we'll be able to do like a little bit of a, a uh, an, an aftermath and saying, Hey, here's what happened. So uh, I might be able to, yeah. you know, pin this at well, the end of the episode. So there's a, um, there's an activity in, in the, in the, in the deck. Mm-hmm. I just want to point your attention to this so you sure. can use it with your team. Sure. It's um, it's called the change connector. Okay. And if it's pretty self-explanatory, but um, how many people are on your team? We're only going to have three people there. Okay, great. So this activity is actually for a group of three, so that's perfect. And so the change connector, if you want to make a note about that, try that activity out with your team, and I I would love to hear how it goes. My guess is it'll be really... uh, I put it on the top of the deck. By the way, uh, these cards are circular. Why? Oh, well, the... Kind of, kind of the same nod to the fact that of this interconnectedness, right? right? That that all of these seven, and, and I was just talking to a group about this last week. Um, they they influence one another, right? So they don't live by themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't live in silos. 
they're they're all connected and are, and are always influencing one another. So that's the that's the reason for the circle. Last question before we wrap up. I normally have a, a question that I ask that is fairly rote or templated for everybody, but because we didn't get to this question yet, I get to ask it now. What is the best right. way to be productive? What is the best? You allude. You mentioned this in the book as a productivity and time management uh, a strategist. Some would say expert. You yep, tell yep. me what the best way to be productive is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I so I will answer this, and I'd love to hear because you are the expert here. I'd love to hear what you think about this. So we run into this challenge all the time, every day. I run into, of course, in my own life, and then productivity is always a question we're answering and talking about with with the leaders we work with. And what I find every day, Mike, is that what gets in the way of our productivity is these same seven pillars of our lived experience. And when we ignore the ones that, uh, the ones that we're ignoring, that shows up in our efficiency and our productivity. So again, it absolutely benefits us to look at, okay, which of these seven do I have strengths in and which of these are, you know, maybe I'm ignoring or not spending enough time on. And I can almost, I would guarantee I'll, I'll plant the flag and say that it will show up in how, how much we're performing and our, our levels of productivity. I, so I, let me, I, let me ask you, does, does that resonate with it, you it, as a productivity it, expert? It does at the high level for sure. Oh, I think, good. I think, I think that just to, to kind of couch that response to a degree is that you, some people need the baby steps initially and the book gives you that, which I think is great. So yeah. if you want to, to follow that, that idea, which I do agree with, I mean, I, I can tell you right now before we hit record later today, I'm going back to the, the gym, our, our rec center to sign up for personal training, because I know that the nourishment part of my, myself is not being taken care of nearly as well as it should be. And so, and I know it's affecting my productivity. So um, I think definitely at a high level, uh, the higher level. And, and the thing is, is that w- with what you go through in the book, which again is called Changes, The Busy Professional's Guide to Reducing Stress, Accomplishing Goals, and Mastering Adaptability, is that if you go through the book, you're going to find ways to get to that high level in a way that doesn't feel daunting or or overwhelming because – you talk about the pace of change and all that stuff in here as well. So there's a pacing and a cadence that you can follow, but the resources right here, plus you've got the cards too. So you can pick up the cards. So Michael, this has been a fantastic conversation. I want to thank you for taking the time. Where can people pick up the book, keep up with your work, get the cards, all that fun stuff. Sure. Yeah. The, the cards in the book are available on Amazon. So feel free to go there. The books in all the formats. Um, I will say if, if people want to take a, a deeper dive, if they go to arcintegrated.com, it's arcintegrated.com slash free, there's a bunch of resources there that people can check out, including a little assessment tool that helps you walk through the seven, uh, the seven pillars. And um, I will say in, in addition to that, we've got an upcoming uh, interactive journal that has a lot, a lot of uh, expanded experiments and activities that come from the same seven pillars. But um, It'll be coming out uh, next year at some point. So they can learn more about that. Same address, arcintegrated.com slash free. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know how much I'm a fan of journaling. So check out that as well. Uh, Michael. I I will be be sending you a free journal. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Michael, I want to thank you today for having a productive conversation with me. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure. 
change doesn't have to be that challenging. In fact, since we know it's coming anyway, we can adapt and deal with it in a really adept manner. Thanks to Michael for joining me on the show. If you want to learn more about his work, you can scroll through the show notes in the podcast app you're using right now, or you can head to productivityist.com slash podcast 410 for any related conversations, blog posts, and all things to do with this conversation. If you don't want to miss a single episode of what's to come, then I encourage you to stay on that podcast app you're using right now and hit the subscribe button. That way you can make sure that you can go through the archives far easier without having to change gears and figure out, hey, how can I listen to Mike talking with David Allen or Patrick Roan or uh, Gretchen Rubin or uh, Keith Ferrazzi? Like, how can I do that? Well, it's easy. Just subscribe and then you can scroll through the archives, 400 plus episodes, and you've got you've got what you need. Um, also, uh, when you subscribe, you'll make sure that you won't miss a single episode of what's to come. And next episode, we've got another great conversation. This time around, we're actually bringing an episode from the vault into play. We've started to do this uh, once a month uh, during the prime time months of the year. And Justin Jackson, my good friend, Justin Jackson, founder of Transistor, uh, Meeps, uh, Mega Maker, he is joining us on the program. You don't want to miss that conversation. It's a great one. That's why we're bringing it back out of the vault just for you. One more thing before I let you go. Sponsors are important to this podcast. They help us put this podcast together. So if you want to support the show beyond subscribing to the podcast, head to our sponsors page and check out the sponsors, not just of this episode, the ones you heard today, but also sponsors that have been part of the show for quite a while. Again, go to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors to check those out. And when you do it from there, they'll know I sent you. That's it for today. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.